Welcome to this worship service at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. We hope you will join us some Sunday morning here in Old Town, Alexandria. Again, welcome. Our first reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 36. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! Here is the Lamb of God. Our second lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, a familiar passage also called the Shema, because the first word here is Shema in Hebrew. Listen for God's word to us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've been thinking a lot about love over the last couple of weeks. God's love for us, no matter what. Our love and compassion for each other in sorrow and in joy. Do you remember how you first fell in love with whomever or whatever it was? Your job, that high school crush? But I don't mean the ritual dance, the courtship, the actual moment when you first felt that spark, the feeling like you just had the wind knocked out of you. Woomph! 
I remember going on a field trip years ago with my son to learn all about the Lene Lenape tribe, who once lived where we did in New York. We snuck through the forest trying out the fox walk technique. We learned how to build wigwams and canoes. We tried out all sorts of toys that the Lene Lenape children played with, and our guide held up a deerskin ball stuffed with fur and explained how they'd play a game a lot like soccer, except the boys played against the girls, and the boys followed soccer rules, but the girls' rules were more like football and soccer combined. They could use their hands and tackle whoever had the ball. This wasn't a game for kids, he explained. You couldn't play until you were 16. The boy's goal was to show off his skills, and the girl's goal was tackling the hottest boy. If all went well, you'd win the game, you'd spend a lot of time rolling around, and you might even find your mate. You should have seen the faces on these fourth graders. <laughs> Their astonishment and gross out was universal, boys and girls. But my son whispered to me, that kind of sounds like how you met dad. Because he'd heard our story hundreds of times. I had fallen hard when he'd tackled me during a game of Capture the Flag in college. We were both in a play about the Trojan War, and the director had us play Greeks against Trojans for our first rehearsal. It was cold and dark, but exhilarating. While I was making a mad dash from jail back towards my Trojan teammates, this huge guy barreled into me, dropping me to the ground. I was furious. This six-foot-one rugby player actually took me down. What kind of a rehearsal was this? I started complaining loudly to the director until I was stopped short by that feeling in the pit of my stomach. Lumph. No air. Tingly all over, flushed and shivering at the same time. This very tall, very handsome guy from the Greek side leaned over and offered his hand. And that was kind of it. I had fallen hard, literally. My whole body felt achy, alive, exhilarated. Isn't that what falling in love feels like? How about with God? How often do we feel like that? Now, I can't speak for all of you, but most of my religious practice hasn't included a lot of experiential worship. After all, we are Presbyterian the frozen chosen. But there were plenty of times in my life when my foot would start tapping or I'd want to applaud a piece of music or a sermon or, God forbid, cry out during worship. The exhilaration, that inspiration would leap to the surface and I dutifully squelch it back down. Keep it to myself. This is one of the reasons I became an actor for my first career. I needed to express all that spirit rushing into me, filling me with God. Spirit, respiration, inspiration, in spiritus sanctus, same roots. And theater and religion, same roots. How do we go from the full body commands of the commandments to sitting quietly in the pews, listening to the pastor way up here in the pulpit? Where is the love? The passion. Where are the heart and soul and might of the Shema, the passage I just read? 
for our spiritual ancestors, the Israelites, there wasn't this great divide. Their entire way of life celebrated the spirit. Living and loving and worshiping were full body experiences, as they should be, as they can be. So when I climbed the steps into my first pulpit about 15 years ago, I thought I could do it differently. Believing it was all in the preacher's artful exegesis and delivery, I chose a text about which I was passionate, did some wonderful research, and wrote a well-structured, articulate sermon with a beginning, middle, and an end. I hadn't taken a preaching class yet at the time, so I just followed the format I was used to hearing in worship, referred to in seminary nowadays as three points and a poem. (laughs) Well, that congregation liked it a lot, but I didn't feel inspired or inspirational. At least I didn't drop any communion elements or mumble my carefully selected words, but my heart ached. I'd expected that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like when I fell in love with God, with ministry. And then I launched into a preaching course called the New Homiletic. Tell stories, play, celebrate, everybody cheered. Out with the old homiletic, in with the new. You mean I don't have to leave all that I am at the door? I can use my mind and body and soul to testify? I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not. I can tell my story and play with words and sounds and emotions and celebrate God and you and our experience of God together. That's one of the things I value most about this call, about being here with you, serving this congregation in joy and in pain or grief. Here we express compassion for each other. Here we live out our faith in big and small ways. Here we really know how to worship, to come together, to celebrate, to mourn, to walk with each other on our faith journeys. We nurture and mentor and guide our children and youth and new members to live out their faith outside these walls, Monday through Saturday. We wrestle with big questions. What is a faith community? What do we value? Who are we as a church? Who is our neighbor? What does loving our neighbor really look like? Sort of like the Lene Lenape tribe. They had all these games for their children, and in addition to them being incredibly exhilarating, They prepared the next generation for their roles in the community and how to fulfill those roles. They learned strength and endurance and bravery from a game that looks a lot like our modern lacrosse. They learned how to pick a mate playing the combo soccer football game I just described. And they learned how to work together to love each other, to love God, the great spirit, through celebrating everything around them. They practiced every day, not just holidays, not just religious days, but all days. So often it feels as though we've lost that sense of daily practice that so many cultures we come from valued. The ancient Israelites recited the Shema prayer every day, twice a day, as do many Jews around the world still. Devout Catholics pray the rosary each day. Zen Buddhists 
pray daily meditations. Five times a day, Muslims stop what they're doing and kneel down to face Mecca to pray to Allah. Our children invoke God in school each morning as they recite the Pledge of Allegiance. So what do we 21st century Protestants do besides coming to church? We do everything from going to the gym religiously to watching our favorite Netflix shows religiously, but so often we don't practice our faith, our religion, religiously. And yet Moses is clear in this passage. Relaying God's commands, Moses instructs the Israelites about who God is. The Lord is our God. And how are we to interact with our God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, he says. That's what God wants most, it seems, to be loved. And since we believe that we have been created in God's own image, I think we can relate. Who doesn't want to be loved? Who wants to be loved just a little, or sometimes, or just on Sundays? The authors of Deuteronomy chose to use a very specific word for love here. It's not the same one used throughout the rest of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. These first five books of our scriptures explore the history of God, the world, the Israelite people before they've reached the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses gives the people God's laws, the Ten Commandments, and they enter into a new covenant relationship. But unlike most instances where God and Israel have a relationship that is characterized by a word for love that connotes loyalty or service or obedience, here, God is demanding a very specific love from the people, from us. The word here is the one normally used for the intimate love among family members. God, apparently, longs to be loved like family, like an intimate, like a lover or a spouse. How on earth do we love God that intensely, that intimately, with all our heart and soul and might? We are called to keep God's commands in our hearts. How? Not just by loving God in a sort of vaguely warm and fuzzy way. Anyone who has ever been in any kind of relationship knows that loving another actually takes practice. So just how do we love God with all our heart and soul and might? How do we keep these words in our heart? How do we deeply internalize them? By sharing them with our children, by talking about them at home, by talking about them when we're anywhere, by reciting them when we lie down and go to sleep, and again when we get up each morning by displaying them outwardly in witness to our own identity as gods, as well as our identity as gods in a community of faith. Can you imagine if instead of nailing brass street numbers to our doors and our houses, we displayed this prayer about how much we love God with all our heart and soul and might? What would it feel like if with every ounce of our being and every aspect of our lives, in our work, and our play, and most definitely at church, we committed ourselves to loving God so intimately, 
and radically, so fully and joyously. On this last point, I feel as if I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know what goes on in each of your lives once you leave this church, but while we're here together, it seems we are pretty good at celebrating, celebrating our connections and our differences, celebrating our traditions and our innovations, celebrating the Lord's Supper with one another, celebrating and welcoming new members into this faith community and inquirers classes and confirmation and baptism, celebrating and praising God with all kinds of glorious music from our youngest children to our ever-expanding choir, lifting up their voices in spirit-filled anthems, singing Messiah concerts, trumpeting God's glory, celebrating the birth of God's son on Christmas Eve, and the life of our pastor's son at his memorial service, New Orleans style, two weeks ago. I wonder if we can practice that same heart-filled connection with each other, with God out in the world, at work, at school, at home. It takes practice. Because loving our neighbors as ourselves, teaching our children about our beliefs, about our faith, our heritage, is experiencing God, is loving God with our entire selves, heart and soul and might with every breath. And in Hebrew, the word for breath, ruach, also means spirit, because the spirit of God is the very breath and center of our lives. Do you feel it? Lumph. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.